Welcome. You're listening to Faith vs. Weight with Maria Bauer. Maria is a former U.S. Navy Health Information Systems Officer, current health and wellness coach, and author of the book, Faith vs. Weight, reminding you that you already have victory in Christ. As a National Academy of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer specializing in weight loss, fitness nutrition, behavioral change, and women's fitness, Maria is also a former Live Strong YMCA cancer survivor trainer. Now, here's your host, Maria Bauer. Hello and welcome. I am so excited to share week seven of the following seven-week podcast series with you based on excerpts from my book, Faith vs. Weight. Inspired by the Word of God, Faith vs. Weight is a proven and practical health and wellness program that has helped many, just like you and me, achieve our weight loss victory. And now for our seventh biblical virtue of the week, love. These three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. We begin and end this program with love, because without love, the rest really doesn't matter. This week focuses on love with regard to relationships and weight management, whether the relationship is with self, a spouse, or a child. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Starting off with self, let me share the message we all need to hear. You will never be perfect. You will always be loved. Unfortunately, many people seek out weight loss programs because at some level, they believe they are unlovable. We might believe that we need to look a certain way in order to live happily ever after. Since most of us are not in the supermodel category, it is easy to blame our unlucky attempts at love on our physical appearance, ruining our self-esteem. Many appear to be living a healthy lifestyle, but they are not. Both weight gain and weight loss can be a type of self-inflicted abusive behavior. Although our first love has not abandoned us, we don't always trust him when it comes to finding and sustaining love. There are countless women and young girls punishing themselves with eating disorders and or overexercising every single day. Both single and divorced female clients have told me they believe their ideal mate could never love them just as they are. Maybe a boyfriend or spouse left them for a younger, prettier, skinnier model, or they have abandonment issues from childhood. Whatever the case, these poor souls are striving for an unrealistic version of themselves. Are you one of them? This distracts from whom God created you to be. Many jump from one diet and exercise plan to the next in search of the ideal, believing this will bring the ideal life. You can wind up never attaining either, often going backwards. If you have to go through unrealistic efforts for the supposed love of your life to be attracted to you, you will have to continue to jump through these hoops in a constant attempt to keep it. This has zero to do with God's version of love. Besides wreaking havoc on your state of health, you most likely will get farther from your weight goal than closer because of unsustainable draconian efforts. You may think you are alone with only a minority of women actually buying into this. 
However, if this were the case, we would not have multi-billion dollar industries profiting off of our insecurities. Although a healthy self-esteem involves wanting to look your best without putting God first, even this can get distorted. In the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we live, plastic surgery is ubiquitous. I have actually heard with my own two ears, husbands tell their spouses, honey, if you want to get X done, Dallas is the place to do it. So many people get plastic surgery that when I was included in a picture with a group of three other women who were under 40 at a former gym, I was the only one who had not had work done. On the other hand, like many, I have friends who have had plastic surgery as part of a healing process. I am not talking about healing. I am talking about going through this in order to get noticed. Sadly, these women do get noticed, but often for the wrong reasons. Some women who have had the most work done seem to have the least amount of confidence because they are putting all of their confidence in their appearance. Without counseling, this only gets worse. It appears to my unscientific mind that men who are attracted to the perfect woman already have one foot out the door since they are constantly in search of the ideal. It is impossible to keep this madness up. I have sat at the bedside of a woman who had multiple plastic surgeries for enhancements and it was heartbreaking. Whether we are single or married, what message are we giving young boys and girls when we put all of our confidence in an appearance that never seems to measure up? A gym owner recently confided in me that there were girls in their teens at his gym that had already had work done because they competed in beauty contests. If we start with plastic surgery in our teens, where do we go from there? A healthy life does not come from starving, purging, cutting, plastic surgery, or over-exercising, which all result in less energy to serve the kingdom. You will always be loved. If it is God's will for you to be married, then he already has your spouse picked out for you. He has to pick out the spouse, not you. If he has other plans for your life, no perfect weight or body part is going to change that. Either way, you are already loved. Our purpose is to love him first, whether we are married or not. If marriage is his plan for your life, he may just be waiting on you. Everyone says they are looking for a mature and grounded person. The question is, are you that person? I certainly was not for a long time. I could tell you firsthand, you are not going to attract the right person if you are too busy lamenting not finding him or her. Are you looking for love in all of the wrong places? God may be waiting for you to love him and only him first. He was in my case. After prioritizing that relationship, you are then better off using your gifts, time, and energy to love your neighbor. You might just run into someone else who is doing the same. God's timing is perfect. I remember being over 30 and not married, which was considered old at the time. Most of my friends had walked down the aisle and were celebrating the birth of a baby or two. Even if I was not questioning what was wrong with me for still being single and over 30, others were. At this point, I prayed to the Lord and asked Him to either make me happy as a single person or send me someone value-added. I did not want another rescue mission. Does that sound harsh? My problem wasn't that I didn't want to help people. My problem was I did want to help people, and all of my energy had been poured into trying to fix a significant other 
which meant not having a whole lot left over. Can I get an amen? Of course, I needed some fixing myself since I was repeating unhealthy patterns from childhood. I was also a rescue mission. I am not implying that everyone that is single needs to be fixed. Jesus was single. I am just saying that I had some unresolved issues, which was hardly a surprise. In the meantime, the Lord and I decided that there was a better way for me to spend my time than lamenting being single or continuing to make poor relationship choices. Instead of face planting into a tub of Ben and Jerry's every night, I began to read the Psalms every morning. Instead of going home to a lonely apartment after work, I decided to join the church choir. Instead of stuffing my face with popcorn, crying over late night chick flicks on Friday nights, I went on long, beautiful bike rides on Saturday mornings, appreciating his glory. Instead of looking at families lamenting whether or not I was ever going to have one, I taught Sunday school and served at a local soup kitchen. This was also when I decided to go to counseling to deal with recurring negative childhood patterns that led to poor relationship choices. I decided to no longer allow my past to ruin my future. It was time to move forward from bad relationship Groundhog Day. I did the work, and so can you. Many times in life, we get a no and have no idea why. So of course we assume that it must be our fault or that there is something wrong with us. This often leads to unhealthy behaviors. We never think that just maybe it has something to do with God's timing. At the end of this two-year period, I wound up getting accepted into the White House Military Social Aid Program. It was so exciting to interact with the nation's best and brightest, one of them being my future husband. I later realized, had I gotten into the program when I had first applied two years prior, I would not have met my husband since he was stationed in Seattle at the time, and these were typically two-year assignments due to military moves. The delay in timing allowed me to meet him. The delay in timing allowed me to mature spiritually and emotionally, leading to a healthier lifestyle. The delay in timing allowed me to go to counseling and heal from past hurts. The delay in timing was not a delay at all. It was God's timing. Could God have also been waiting on me? I only know that I needed to love God first before I was able to find the love of my life. Not everyone is called to be married. Whatever your situation, seek the Lord first, then love your neighbor. In other words, quote, bloom where you are planted, end quote. Take the time to flourish while healing from past hurts if needed. Being single is the least complicated stage of life, so take advantage of counseling if you need it. Then, if marriage does wind up being your calling, you have a better chance of being happily married for 20 years instead of being miserable for 30 or winding up in divorce court. Trust God's timing. His timing is better. Whether you are single, married, or divorced, your confidence needs to come from the Lord, not another person. The more at peace you are with this concept, the more at peace you will be, period. More peace equals less pounds. You are not a victim. You are a victor in Christ. Instead of praying to be a size zero in order to be loved, pray for peace. Jesus talked a lot about peace and forgiveness. Forgiveness also applies to marriage. 
you are not only called by your father to ask for forgiveness, but you are also called to forgive your spouse and yourself. Seeking God first leads to a peaceful and happy marriage. Happy marriages are associated with longevity. Now, let's talk about the prickly subject of weight management and your spouse. If you have told your spouse to eat healthy and exercise and had a positive response, you are in the minority. In most cases, this does not go over very well. Occasionally, there is a spouse who is health conscious and will respond favorably to a gentle reminder, but this is not the norm. The best way to approach this is by the old saying, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. You need to be your own best advertisement if you want to inspire others to get healthy. Nagging never works. When you see the gospel in action, you cannot help but be attracted to it. When healthy living is pursued for the right reasons, it can have a similar effect. Studies show that when one spouse gets healthy, the other has a much higher chance to follow suit. So how do you get your spouse to eat healthy? Careful to not suggest anything that might make him or her feel unattractive or unloved. A more successful approach would be to make comments about how much better you feel. Just smiling more makes a difference. Express love for your spouse through your newfound energy by offering to go for a walk or participating in a hobby he or she enjoys. Help out with one of his or her chores. People notice when someone has more energy, especially when they are willing to share it. It makes others want more energy too, unless they have already given up. If this is the case, your spouse needs prayer. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. 1 Corinthians 13.1 Nagging someone into making healthy choices backfires. Making ultimatums is even worse. It may take years for your spouse to want to make healthy choices or it may never happen. Either way, your spouse is not an excuse for you not to take care of yourself. Your spouse's struggle actually requires you to pray for him or her as if you believe healing is possible, because it is. If you don't pray for your spouse in this area, who will? I have met many people that have written off their spouse and other family members from ever pursuing a healthy lifestyle. Remember, someone could have just as easily written you off. Maybe they did. If it wasn't over this, it may have been over something else. So make the better choice and pray as if God is able to make this healing possible, because he is. It is not a prayer if you do not believe it is possible. Just like we don't want to be known for our lack of faith when it comes to ourselves, we don't want that to be our claim to fame when it comes to others. I have helped many men lose weight that I have never met after only working with their wives. Obviously, somebody was praying. What about our children and grandchildren? Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Isaiah 49:15. The only topic more emotionally charged than our own weight struggles and our spouses is that of our children, which leaves many parents feeling guilty. In order to help your children, you have to first recognize guilt for what it is. 
Guilt can be used as a tool of the devil. It renders you ineffective while breaking you down. Guilt does not help you or your children. It just wastes more time. Instead, when something touches a nerve, ask the Holy Spirit to empower you and your family to overcome it. Then believe it is possible in the name of Jesus. Don't forget to ask others to pray on your children's behalf. It takes a village of prayer warriors. When it comes to our children's health, we can no longer wing it. The food and drink options in front of our kids today are just bad, only to be coupled with sedentary entertainment. The only way around this is planning ahead. Exercise and healthy eating have to be a priority on a daily basis. This does not mean every meal has to be perfect or that your kids need to be exercising all day, but they need real food for most of their meals and snacks, and they need to keep moving. This may mean you driving to sports activities or carpooling. The good news is you do not have to sit while your kids are getting a workout. I have driven to hundreds of soccer practices over the years and worked out by either jogging or walking around the same field. At swim practice for my children, I used to swim in open pool lanes or use the gym that was available. Remember, God loves your children more than you do. Ask the Lord to help you make optimal choices for your children's spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being. Pay attention today so you won't live with regret tomorrow. Regret is unhealthy for all parties. Children and obesity. Make sure you check with your pediatrician before implementing any diet or exercise program for your child. There are licensed psychologists who specialize in children with eating disorders that can also help if needed. I have zero credentials when it comes to working with children, zip, nada. Yet because I'm a certified personal trainer, I was occasionally assigned young girls as clients at the YMCA. These girls were between 9 and 11 years of age. Since then, I have also worked with moms and their teenage daughters. The difference between the young girls I worked with at the YMCA and the moms and teenage girls I work with today is that the YMCA girls were under doctor's orders. Their parents were told that their daughters had to begin a supervised exercise program to lose weight as soon as possible. Although one of them weighed as much as I did at the start, the good news is that these girls were able to reach their goals. With these girls, the first thing I did was to find out their interests. Again, we are back to the reason why that we talked about in week one. Why would they want to pick up a carrot over a cupcake in the first place? Whenever working with anyone, whether it is a child or adult who is struggling, it is always helpful to find out someone's passions. By focusing on something positive while we exercise, it brought a positive association to our appointments. It also let them know I cared. This helped make the time spent with each child something they anticipated. I am not a person who would gravitate toward a job working with children. You don't need to be a childhood expert either. I finally realized the main reason these girls enjoyed our time together was the attention and activity. It didn't matter what the activity was. We may have jumped rope and then done modified push-ups, hula hooped, or did jumping jacks. Although not all children gravitate toward sports, almost all like activity. Children are more in tune with this than adults. 
If I worked with a child who also likes sports, I would emphasize how healthy eating and exercise would help them perform better. I also tried to tie their interests to healthy eating and exercise that were not sports related and taught how these changes would contribute to making them even better at whatever it was they enjoyed doing. Just like adults, kids also have to have a why. Children need to exercise every single day for a minimum of one hour. They also need to move throughout the rest of the day. We cannot depend on this to happen at school. With the girls I worked with, I strongly encouraged organized activities such as dance to keep them active if they were not into sports. I actually believe most kids would eat healthy and move more if the options were more readily available than junk food and media. Instead, just like adults, when you have refined flour and sugar lying around with more sedentary options than active ones, children are going to lead toward those. Of course they are. The reason children don't naturally gravitate toward healthy choices is because they have already eaten so much fast food that regular healthy meals don't seem to taste as good as fries and a shake, just like adults. Since almost 50% of our meals as Americans are eaten out, even our kids have hyperstimulated palates. On top of that, most parents are just not eating healthy at home. Throw media in the mix and we have the perfect storm. Although I would reinforce all of the information I shared with the girls, with their parents when it came to healthy eating, challenges became evident. I realized I was not taking on a child as a new client, but rather an entire family. If one child in the house is eating differently from everyone else, there will most likely be problems either now or down the road. This was another reason I felt led to create Faith versus Weight for Women. I purposely did not want to target children, although this is the area that grieves my heart the most. I target moms. This is not meant to be a guilt trip. I'm a mom. This is meant to reclaim mom's health, which will benefit the entire family. As far as children are concerned, mom is where love originates. We all know that when mama is happy, everyone is happy. If I can get mom and eventually dad on board, kids will follow. It is much more difficult and unrealistic to target children when their choices are rarely within their control. As I used to say to the parents of my younger clients, your nine-year-old doesn't have a set of car keys. They eat what you bring in the house. When working with children, focus on energy rather than appearance. Do not discuss scales or weight. Often kids will voluntarily share their weight loss because of their excitement. Give kids hints on how to avoid feeling sluggish by eating their protein or veggies first rather than carbohydrates, which may cause them to overeat and feel tired. Put the veggies and protein out first so they don't have to decide. The same plan I recommend for adults, I recommend for children with the following changes. Since increased calories from starchy carbohydrate intake is based on activity and growth, children need more carbohydrates. Teenagers who are not overweight and very physically active will need even more. How much? My uniquely, finely tuned, calibrated, complex formula is this. Is the child growing up or out? Out means it's time to cut down on the carbs, including sugar. When it comes to activities, meals, snacks, and dessert, I go into greater detail in the Faith vs. Weight book on Kindle for $3.99. 
In order to teach school-age children what their portions and proportions should look like, you can draw a plate and cut it in thirds. The first third is protein, the second is a vegetable or fruit, and the third is a starchy carb. Then choose foods for each of the thirds for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Also choose a healthy fat. When they are old enough, tell them they can add a small amount of a plant-based fat as a topping or an add-on. Once they are old enough to get it, it is easier to tell them to add fat at the end, giving them a list of what 100 calories of fat looks like rather than trying to show this on a plate. Fat just comes in different sizes. In terms of volume, 100 calories of olive oil looks very different from 100 calories of guacamole. Be realistic. With my children, I try to influence a minimum of two meals and one snack a day. It is not always perfect but I try to make sure that two out of the three meals they eat per day are healthy with at least one healthy snack. This way, if we wind up in a less than ideal situation for one meal, I don't stress out about it since the rest of the time they are fueling properly. Since there is no reason to overeat, I remind them to keep their portions in check. If you have children who won't touch vegetables, put out raw veggies first with guacamole or hummus when they are hungry. Teach them what an appropriate amount looks like for their age, which is usually two tablespoons to one-fourth cup, depending on their size. If you have to put cheese on veggies for them to eat veggies, put real cheese and be cognizant of the amount. Then put out protein and finally the starchy carb. Again, remember, carbohydrates are not bad. A person who sits at a desk all day but eats carbohydrates like he is training for an Ironman is a different situation. Children should eat carbs based on growth and the energy they burn, and hopefully they're burning more than adults. It is just easier to regulate the amount of carbohydrates if they have already had some protein first. That's why I recommend you put the carbohydrates out last. When I hear, I'm hungry, and there is something tempting around, I always tell my children, to eat a healthy meal or snack first, if they have not already, and to save the tempting item for dessert after dinner. If they recently ate, or it is just a time they are not normally hungry, then I know they are being tempted because it is there, just like adults. In both cases, it is best to save whatever it is for normal dessert time. It is much harder to control intake of sugar or white flour at random times of day or on an empty stomach, whether you are a child or an adult. Eating meals and snacks on a regular schedule, as described in week one for adults, makes a big difference. My kids forget to graze when I make a conscious effort to give them real food every few hours, as described in this podcast, since their needs are different. Grazing is not your friend. It typically means overdoing carbs or sugar for adults and children while falling short on protein healthy fats, and vegetables. There are certainly times I slack off with my kids. At brunch, which is usually after a 5K or soccer tournament in my house, there is more leniency. They can order their favorite item at our local breakfast hangout. However, I still tell them to eat an egg before they dig into their pancakes. Their muscles need protein for recovery, but this also helps them keep their blood sugar from going out of whack from the pancakes. If not eaten in the correct order, I might find them craving junk for the rest of the day. When it comes to eating out, some parents have already sworn off all fast food. This is by far the better route. 
Unfortunately, as I have mentioned in earlier podcasts, I have not achieved this Master Jedi level. However, as in all things, my plate looks the same with regard to portions and proportions as described in week one at any type of restaurant, whether it has a Michelin rating or it is a drive through I encourage my kids to do the same as described in this podcast. We all need to learn to make the best of every situation. What about sugar rivalry? Sometimes families have to deal with both under and overweight teenagers at the same time. This can be a sensitive issue. When I had an underweight teenager going through a growth spurt, I added additional carbs and protein while increasing the frequency of his meals. Underweight children and teens do not need more sugar. They need more real food. Yet everyone enjoys dessert. Allowing the same small amount of dessert for under and overweight children also helps overweight children not feel as if they are being penalized because they are overweight. Even if a child or teen is underweight, I'm still anti-grazing. Grazing usually leads to more junk calories. Then, when it is time to have a meal, children and teenagers are just not hungry enough for real food like protein and vegetables. Protein is important. In order to have an appetite, it is better to have a beginning and an end to meals and snacks, even if you're eating five or six times a day. I personally don't subscribe to underweight children and teens having milkshakes or extra junk food in order to gain weight. This doesn't send the right message to anyone in the family, yet many healthcare professionals have suggested this. In the short term, this may be the only alternative. However, whenever possible, it is always better to develop a child's palate to crave real food. The only way to do this is to serve real food most of the time, turning healthy snacks into healthy mini-meals when necessary. This way, children and teens can get the same food at the same times, whether they are over or underweight, with adjustment to the amount. Using these strategies, we were able to have an underweight teenager gain 10 pounds in six months, while the normal weight teen grew at a steady rate. I go into detail in how we did this in the Faith vs. Weight book on Kindle for $3.99. The big picture. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Mark eleven twenty four. Remember to thank God in advance. If weight is a struggle for your child, the most important ingredient is prayer. However, it is only a prayer if you believe God is able to do it. You have to believe in the possibilities for your children since they are unable to see them. Since you are competing against addictive tendencies, even with children, remember to play worship music in the morning. This sets the tone for the entire day. Remind them that they are overcomers. Then, to make it easier on them, remember to always put the veggies and healthy fat or protein out first when your children are hungry. Wait to put the rest of the food out. Otherwise, your kids will always pick the macaroni and cheese or chips and salsa over the broccoli. Carbs are served last on this plan, even if the carbs are brown rice. Just like grown-ups, kids have to be inspired to want something bigger than a donut or the couch, as discussed in week one. One way to do this is to start sports early. Childhood participation in sports is on the decline in the U.S., Girls and children from lower-income families participate the least. The key is to start early. 
It is very intimidating to try out for a team when you are 10 years old and everyone else has been playing the sport since they were four. Although many public schools have after-school sports programs, these usually don't kick in until middle or high school. For some kids, this is already too late. The YMCA is a great place to look for both sports and financial assistance for younger children. Many parents have told me that their child does not like sports. I believe them. However, sometimes we have to give children a chance to like something before they have a chance to quit. If a child does not want to be active or participate in a sport, find another activity. If they do not want to be active at all, tell them they are welcome to sit and watch the activity with no media. Whenever someone in my house does not feel like doing something active, I give him the alternative of sitting it out with zero media. This usually inspires a change of heart. When it comes to something new, I usually have children try it at least three times. Even adults don't feel comfortable right off the bat. We all need more than one chance. Activities like dance and marching band, it all counts. Pray that your child gets more excited about a healthy activity and eventually less interested in junk food and junk media. We all need to say that prayer. Guide your child to try different activities. If you feel like you are late to the game, no problem. Some sports are easier to jump in than others. A full summer of swim lessons or tennis lessons can help kids get up to speed. Cross-country running and track can also easily be tackled in the summer. Although my middle school and high school age children already played sports, we all needed more indoor exercise during one of the hot summer spells in Texas. So we signed up for a family membership at a boxing gym one summer. The family that boxes together, well, you get the idea. Anything to keep moving. I tell my children that if they want to be faster, stronger, and have fewer problems later on, they need to make good choices today. My children have also seen what happens when adults do not make good choices, and this is probably a better teacher than anything that comes out of my mouth. After being born again, I used to put out a glass of water and a Bible for each one of my sons. I wanted them to be in the habit of drinking water and reading the Word of God when they first woke up. As I prepared breakfast, I asked them to read a Bible verse or passage. As we now sometimes have more intense schedules or different departure times, I asked them to read a verse in the car using their Bible apps on their phones while I drive them to school. Sometimes I get one line, and sometimes I get an entire passage. It doesn't matter. I am just happy that the Word of God is going into their brains and coming out of their mouths while penetrating their hearts. This always leads to discussion. At night, I remind them to pray, starting with the Lord's Prayer. I want their day in the morning and evening to be bounded by the Word of God, because this is what God wants. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. Bad news affects our kids more than we realize. Make sure they also start their day with the Lord. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. Isaiah 54, 13. What are your children listening to when they are not in school or at church? Many households have the news on all day, every day, not realizing every word is subconsciously being soaked up by their children. 
No wonder we have so much depression and anxiety in children. Children do not have the emotional intelligence to deal with this amount of bad news or its severity. If you think our kids are not negatively affected by the constant media dump of bad news, I believe you are wrong. Children with ADHD were permitted to use a fidget spinner to manage stress, anxiety, fidgeting, and so on in the classroom, but everyone else used them too. Spinners calm people of all ages down by helping them to focus. I'm all for that, but it grieves me that we have so many 10-year-olds that are already stressed out. We need to talk to children about healthy boundaries and safety, but we also need to allow them to be children. No one needs to listen to bad news all day, every day, especially not our children. Limit the types and amount of news on in your home so your children won't be tempted to use food as a comfort source. Although tech and our kids can also be a big problem, there is nothing new under the sun. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made, John 1, 3. Although the Bible is an old book, it is still the authoritative source on parenting, even when it comes to technology. Don't kid yourself into thinking that the problems our kids face today have made the Bible irrelevant. The problems we face today as parents are still the same old problems. They are, as one of my children's teachers used to say, like putting lipstick on a pig. Media may make evil more accessible and encourage inactivity, but at the end of the day, it is still a choice. If your children do not know God, they will not know how to listen to his voice and will wind up listening to everything and everybody else. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Matthew 10, 16. When my children were younger, I decided not to have media in the car. Entertainment for my children was a bucket of books from the library, along with their children's Bibles. I paid many a late fee at the library and dealt with the shame of having to replace a few library books, but it was worth it. Library time was the only time I told my kids to get whatever they wanted as long as it fit in the bucket. Now, in their middle and high school years, my boys are as much, if not more, into tech as the next kid. However, I held out as long as I could, and it made a difference. There are still times when we are driving and I tell them to just read a book because it's time to take a break from gaming. With books now in their phones, we no longer have a bucket of books, but they are always calmer after reading than when they are gaming. If you are a new mom, try to at least keep your car a media-free zone for as long as you can. I did it, and I'm so glad that I did. There is zero incentive for children to read when they can passively be entertained instead. If you have young children, consider getting a container for your car, then have your children pick out books from the library to fill that container. In a vehicle, you have a captive audience. I wonder how many children would have better attention spans and test scores if they had nothing to do but read. Of course, when they are younger, you reading to them counts also. Like it or not, we are live reality TV. Our children watch our every move, even though it seems like they are not paying attention. When it comes to healthy eating, my kids see me eat the same at home as I do at restaurants with few exceptions. They also know that I will not go to a restaurant that does not serve vegetables or has only fried options. My philosophy with sugar in the house is out of sight equals out of mind. This applies to all age groups. 
Each person picks one or two favorites for dessert, which are placed in a drawer until it is time to have dessert. It doesn't need to be visible all day to tempt us because this usually leads to more servings than initially intended. How can we expect our kids to show restraint when we are not able to exercise it ourselves? A little planning for everyone can be helpful in the long run. Do you eat like a child? The Bible says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. A lot of adults still eat as if they are children. I cannot eat like my boys who are in their teenage years. If a team has ice cream after a soccer tournament, I don't get ice cream because I didn't just burn through the hundreds of calories they did. If you really want ice cream, have it at home in a 100-calorie portion after dinner as discussed in week one. Do not fall into the human garbage disposal trap of eating whatever is left on your kids' plates or eating whatever they eat. I understand not wanting to waste food, but we are in more danger of wasting our health when we eat high caloric kid fare. Upgrade your eating habits to your age and current activity level. This is not a curse, it's a blessing. I repeatedly hear how one spouse is more of a negative influence on children than the other. I jokingly call this next topic, sleeping with the enemy. Obviously, this is not the case in every household, but it does come up more often than not. A parent doesn't mean any harm when they come home with donuts. This is their way to show love. However, since we now have a childhood obesity epidemic, we have to find other ways to show love. My favorite is walking and talking. Walking the neighborhood while talking is free and easy. You can bring a furry friend along and hear things from your children you may not hear otherwise. Believe it or not, this works into the teen years. Other ways to have fun with movement as a family is signing up for a 5K. You do not need to run. Many people walk 5Ks. You also have the option to start with a one-mile fun run. Family bike rides can be a lot of fun also. Taking younger kids to a park allows them to run around and play with other kids. At home, you can have a hula hoop competition during commercial breaks to see who can keep it going for the longest. You can also have children come up with active games. Whenever you can, get moving outside. God has a beautiful world out there just waiting for you to enjoy. There is a proven increased sense of well-being when you are out in nature. This is no accident. For you shall go out in joy and be led out in peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Isaiah 55:12. Think about setting a family goal. My husband and I had the opportunity to take our children on their first trip to the Washington, D.C. area. Although we were only in town for a few days, on our way to a wedding at the Naval Academy, we wanted to give our boys an overview of the national monuments. We could have taken the metro, buses, taxis, or some other form of transportation. However, we really didn't want to stand in the endless lines just waiting to get information or a seat. So we made it our goal to jog the major national monuments, which is about a 5K. It had been a year since I had recovered from my gallbladder surgery and broken leg, so I wasn't sure if I would be up to the task. In total, our family had sustained five broken bones and three surgeries in the five years leading up to that trip, so I wasn't sure if the rest of us would be up to the task either. However, we slowly started training for local 5Ks, and we were building endurance. 
This wouldn't have happened if we hadn't worked at it one meal, one workout, and one physical therapy appointment at a time. We had to get the horse ready for battle in order for the victory to be the Lord's, as discussed in previous podcasts. Sharing the Washington, D.C. area with our children was like traveling back in time, since that is where my husband and I met. To be able to run the same route many years later and with our children was an experience I cannot easily put into words, especially after our recent health challenges. Although my husband was still in top running form, I was not able to run the same times, but at least I was ambulatory. If you had seen us the year before in varying stages of recovery, you would have thought our family jogging the monuments was a long shot, and you would have been correct. Yet there we were, living in victory. We took plenty of breaks and pictures, so it was not laborious. As a matter of fact, it was glorious. I will never forget that day. It was one of the happiest of my life. Whether you are interested in jogging the monuments or not, there may be another active trip you've always wanted to take with your children, but up until this point, you were not sure you could do it because of excess weight or inactivity. If we were able to do it after five broken bones and three surgeries in the years leading up to our trip, so can you. Give yourself a solid year and go for it. Even if a year passes and you are not all exactly where you want to be, you can still be significantly better off than you are today. You may even surpass your initial goals. As my first Navy recruiter said to me, when I was contemplating applying for a scholarship program with my less than stellar academic high school background, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. My primary reason for writing my book, teaching my classes, and sharing these podcasts is to empower you and your children and grandchildren to have more energy to put Christ's love in action. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. 1 John 3.18 I do not want my family to miss out on an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ in action because we are either in a food coma or spending all of our time at the doctor's office. This plan has helped families get more energy to share Christ's love. It can do the same for you and your family. I can't wait to hear how this podcast series changes your life. Join the Faith vs. Weight podcast group on Facebook a place for Faith vs. Weight podcast listeners to share their journey. If you enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. They are based on excerpts from my book, Faith vs. Weight, available at Amazon, the Prestonwood Bookstore, and Barnes & Noble, Beltline Road, Dallas. Thank you for listening to Faith vs. Weight, reminding you that you already have victory in Christ. To keep up with Maria's class offerings, speaking engagements, or just to follow Maria on social, check out mariabauer.com. Consult your physician before starting any weight loss or exercise program.